Lord. Amen. It's good to be in the house of God this evening. It's good to see all your lovely faces. Amen. I'm so happy you guys came out. I know it's cold outside, but you still came to the house of the Lord, and I'm happy. Amen. I'm going to invite you to stand up. Amen. We're going to begin to worship you. Heavenly Father, we love to be in your presence, oh God. Father, we ask that you would inhabit our praises, oh God. Have your way, Lord, not only in the message, oh God, but as we go into prayer, Lord. Father, we offer this service up to you, Lord. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. And bless the Lord, oh my soul, oh my soul. Worship his holy name. 
our hearts every day. You alone are worthy. We give you all the glory. We give you all the praise. Lord, tonight as we look into your word, would you speak to our hearts? Would you minister to us, Lord, in areas of our lives that only you know about? God, would you be glorified? We will be careful to give you all the praise and all the honor. And Lord, I just pray that nothing that I would say, um, that everything that I would say would be of you, O oh God, and nothing that you have not planned would be said in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Do you mind if I just kind of yank this out, which I can't? There we go. How is everyone doing? I don't expect anybody online to answer and say, oh, great, but maybe you did. You're blessed, yes. That's what um, Josh always says, I'm blessed. And we all are. We're all blessed, amen. We're continuing on in our series of Elijah, and we've reached chapter 18. Uh, we're going to be looking through uh, verses 1 to 16 and, and also verse 17. But uh, where we've come up to at this place is we're in the third year of this famine. Third year of the famine. Could you imagine being three years into the famine? It would equate to us as uh, maybe March 2020 as we approach March 2023, 2023. And... Uh, COVID. <laughs> we are in the third year of the famine. Drought is across the land. The people are beginning to recognize that this Jehovah that Elijah serves is truly God. But perhaps, and I know that we could say confidently, Jezebel and Ahab do not see this God. They do not see him um, as, as the all-powerful one. In fact, their hopes and their, their uh, beliefs are still parked in that God of Baal and that God of Asherah. But um, the people of the land, no doubt, are recalling the day that Elijah went to Ahab and said there will be no rain or, or on the land except by his words. And uh, so the, the, the land has been suffering a drought. The land has been suffering, um, and it's at the most extreme state right now in, in our story where we pick up. Ahab and, and Jezebel are, are still in their peak. They're not suffering. They're in the kingdom. They are in their palace, of course, because they are king and, and queen. They, they get the prime of everything. And so they would not be suffering as the people are suffering. In fact, um, they, they are in search for a Elijah. They want Elijah's life. And, and here's the thing. They have determined that if anybody should find him or should have him in their land and not decree an oath, it's a fact, I don't have him in my land, I've looked, he's not here, and, and they'd be found lying, they would be killed. That's pretty strong to be killed. Because imagine this. Queen Jezebel, I don't know why I'm stumbling over that. Queen Jezebel's father, his name is uh, Ethbal. And he's, he was a king over Sidon. 
And where was, Jeze- uh, where was the widow of Zarephath from? She was from, she was from Zarephath, I said it to you, but this was part of the region of Sidon. Zarephath was part of the region of Sidon. Who stayed at this widow's house? None other than Elijah. So imagine Queen Jezebel's father has Elijah in the land, but he would be among the many that would have made the oath, oh no, Elijah is nowhere to be found. If they were to go house to house, would they have found Elijah and would his life have been killed? Would the story have played out differently? So imagine the... um, the embarrassing uh, revelation if Jezebel were to have ever learned in the land of where her father reigned, uh, there lied Elijah. There was in a woman's house, a widow's house, Elijah, the one who made this profession that uh, there would be no rain upon the land. And so the drought continues week after week, month after month, year after year. There are no longer any green pastures to be found. Um, a matter of fact, the animals, the, the cows, they would have gone to the field and, and birthed their, their calves, but then just would have abandoned them because where would they have eaten the, the grass to provide those calves with food? The, the place is in such a severe condition of drought and dry ground. There are no vines, no fruit on the vines, no figs on the tree. It gives us an understanding of when Joel prophesied in chapter 1. If you turn to Joel chapter 1, verses 9 through 12, it says this, The grain offering and the drink offerings are cut off from the house of the Lord. The priests mourn, the ministers of the Lord. The fields are destroyed, the ground mourns, because the grain is destroyed. The wine dries up, the oil languishes. Be ashamed, O tillers of the soil. Wail, O vine dressers, for the wheat and the barley, because the harvest of the field has perished. The vine dries up, the fig tree languishes, pomegranate, palm, and apple. All the trees of the field are dried up, and gladness dries up from the children of man. Jump down to verse 16. Is not the food cut off before our eyes, joys and gladness from the house of our God? The seed shrivels under the clouds. The storehouses are desolate. The granaries are torn down because the grain has dried up. How the beasts groan. The herds of the cattle are perplexed because there is no pasture for them. Even the flocks of the sheep suffer. To you, O Lord, I call, for, the fi- for fire has devoured the pastures of the wilderness, and flame has burned all the trees of the field. Even the beasts of the field pant f- for you, because the water brooks are dried up, and fire has devoured the pastures of wilderness. You can almost understand, if you look at the conditions of what they are facing in Elijah's time, what, what, he, what Joel speaks of in, in his prophecy, you can get a better picture of how severe the drought would have been for for Elijah and those in the land at that time. Does it not give you a clearer understanding to go to a fig tree and instead of there, my fig tree right now is just sticks. 
there are some little blooms because it was brought in the house, you know, least the Canadian weather kill our fig tree. But there, there is, the, the leaves have all fallen from that tree. There was a little fig that was starting to come forth uh, just before we brought, brought, I was going to say brought her in. I don't know that it's a female tree, but just before we brought the tree in, there was a little fig coming forth, and that fig has not, getting, has not become any bigger. Why? Because it's gone into that hibernation state or whatever it's actually called in, in, the, in the case of plants. But imagine everywhere you look for there to be a desolation. Imagine the fruit trees with nothing on them. Imagine being... a a man with a, a, with a vineyard and not having any fruit, no promise of wine. Imagine being an olive grove owner and not having the promise of olives or oil that year for year one, for year two, for year three. Imagine now going back to the, year, the, the earlier state of our, our COVID and we would go to the grocery store and sometimes the bunkers would be empty of meat. Did it happen to anyone going to do their groceries and you had to go to one or two grocery stores, maybe three, to, to at least complete one order of groceries? And you, and, and you left at 10 in the morning, you didn't get home till 4 because you waited in line? Well, you could appreciate the times that they were in when... There was nothing in the land. The, it, it was a time of, of pure dryness, barrenness, and severe famine. It was lingering. And what does God do in the midst of this, in its peak of time? He says to Elijah, go show yourself to Ahab. Let's read the verses. After many days... The word of the Lord came to Elijah in the third year saying, go show yourself to Ahab and I will send rain upon the earth. And so Elijah went to show himself to Ahab. Now the famine was severe in Samaria and Ahab called Obadiah who was over the household. Now Obadiah feared the Lord greatly. And when Jezebel cut off the prophets of the Lord, Obadiah took a hundred prophets and hid them by fifties in a cave and fed them with bread and water. And Ahab said to Obadiah, go through the land to all the springs of water and to all the valleys. Perhaps we may find grass and save the horses and mules alive and not lose some of the animals. And so they divided the land between them to pass through it. Ahab went in one direction by himself and Obadiah another direction by himself. And as Obadiah was on the way, behold, Elijah met him and, and Obadiah recognized him and fell on his face and said, Is it you, my lord, Elijah? And he answered him, it is I, go tell your Lord, behold, Elijah is here. And he said, have I sinned that you would give your servant into the hand of Ahab to kill me? As the Lord your God lives, there is no nation or kingdom where my Lord has not sent to seek you. And when they would say he is not here, he would take an oath of the kingdom or nation that they had not found you. And now you say, go tell your Lord, behold, Elijah is here. And as soon as I have gone from you, the spirit of the Lord will carry you, and I know not where. And so when I come and tell you, Ahab, and he can, when I come and tell Ahab and he cannot find you, he will kill me, although your servant 
have feared the Lord from my youth. Has it not been told, my Lord, what I did when Jezebel killed the prophets of the Lord, how I hid a hundred men of the Lord's prophets by fifties in a cave and fed them with the bread and the water, and how you say, go tell your Lord, behold, Elijah is here, and he will kill me? And Elijah says, as the Lord of hosts lives, before whom I stand, I will surely show myself to him today. So Obadiah went to meet Ahab and told him, and Ahab went to meet Elijah. The famine is at its peak. The grounds are dry. There is no fruit on the tree. There is no water in the brook. And God says to Elijah, now's the time to go show yourself to Ahab. You see, in chapter 17, he said to Elijah, go hide yourself. Go hide yourself. He knew that if you go to 17 verse 1, excuse me, verse um, 3, depart from here and turn eastward and hide yourself by the brook of Cherish. Here is God saying to him, okay, Elijah, hide and seek time is over. It's time to come out from hiding. You need to go and show yourself to Ahab. And just like that, Elijah packs up, says to the widow woman, okay, it's time for me to go. Says his goodbye to the little guy. No questions asked. He doesn't say to God, but just like God, you know, I heard the rumors amongst the land. Uh, Like I'm told they're, they're after my life. Are you sure? Like, You want me to go show myself. I'm Elijah. I'm here in front of you in living person. There is no account in the word of God that Elijah even has a conversation with God to doubt this next move. He goes. We know that he went. He didn't didn't take time to say, well, um, okay, I need to think about this. I need to make sure that this was God who who was speaking to me. No, he, he just went. He obeyed God immediately. Has God ever spoken to you uh, to do something and and... You pause. Well, Lord, okay, if that's really you that was speaking to me, then I need a confirmation. I need to know that I know that I know that it was you who spoke to me because, you know, Lord, I don't want to make a fool of myself. I don't want to act presumptuously. I don't want to go ahead of you. But no, Elijah doesn't do this. Elijah obeys God. He knew that Ahab wanted his life. He knew that Ahab was out for him, but he trusts God. You see, in the, in the incubator of his faith, he learned to trust God at a bubbling brook when the bubbling brook began to diminish in its water supply. Moving on from that bubbling brook, he, he, he learned to trust God while the ravens came to feed him, even though he knew the law said, don't allow these unclean animals, don't, don't eat of these unclean animals. And now these unclean animals were feeding him. See, in his incubator of faith, he was growing in his trust towards his God. He was growing in, you know what, God did this and, and God did that. And how many times? 
times have you been in a place where you're at a precipice of a decision or you're at a precipice that you really need God to act now? And so you say to yourself, God, just as you did it then, I know you will take care of it now. How many times in your prayer time with the Lord have you recalled before him, Lord, you broke through in my life in this area. I know you will break through again. How many times have you stirred up your faith because of the incubator of faith and trust that God has developed in your life? And that's where Ahab has been. He had to now take in that time. He, he knew that God provided at Cherish. He knew that God provided in the raven. He knew that when he went to the, to the woman of Zarephath's health and she prepared the last meal, how he saw daily, daily, daily the provision of God. He was able to eat of God's table. That when she presented to him her dead child, he spoke not a word, but yet once again went before the throne of God. Went before his God. Why? Because his faith was growing. And so now for God to say to him, it's time for you, Elijah, to go show yourself to Ahab. There's not a doubt within his heart that this is the appointed time. At least the word of God doesn't indicate that. He walks in obedience. Why? Because in this situation, he's able to go into the enemy's camp because he knows who's walking with him. Did not Paul say in Romans 8 and 31, if God is for us, who could be against us? So, so Elijah does not have to worry about the enemy that is before him in Ahab because he knows his God is for him. He knows his God has him covered. And so God has us understanding right here through the life of Elijah that the life that is in right relationship with God, the life that is in full surrenderance to him and in walking in obedience to him, what that life looks like. Elijah lived in full surrenderance. Okay, God, I'm going to trust you. I will go to cherish I will allow these ravens to feed me. I will ask her to feed me before she eats herself. He's walking in complete faith. Can you look at the life of Elijah and walk in complete faith such as that, even when everything around you makes zero sense? Can you be in that place, Lord? I don't get it. I don't even understand it. It doesn't even look familiar to me. But God, I know you. And I know that I can trust you. And so no sooner does God understand, have us understanding what faith and obedience in God really looks like, he brings to us a man named Obadiah. Obadiah. Obadiah is governor of of the house of Ahab. And it says to us in, the, in, in uh, chapter 18, verse 3, that Obadiah feared the Lord greatly. It's interesting that God allows that portion of the scripture to be there because I think it wants to bring to us what it looks like to have a fear of God but yet vacillate 
and be controlled by the fear of man. Has anybody ever been in that place that the fear of what man thinks of you, the fear of what man has over you, has you walk out a different walk? Even though you know God, even though you believe in God, here we are introduced to this Obadiah. And Ahab called Obadiah, who was over the household. The title for tonight is The Fear of God or the Fear of Man. The fear of God or the fear of men. Where do you sit tonight in your relationship with God? Are you one? I think we could all be honest with ourselves. Okay? Because I'm not in your thoughts. I do not know your thoughts. And, and this is just something between you and God. At times we jump into the fear of man camp. At times we jump into doing things because we fear what man would say. We fear what it will cost us. We're going to unpack this for just a moment. Obadiah means servant of Jehovah. Servant of Jehovah. He was known as the governor of the king's house, which means that he made sure that Ahab and Jezebel were well taken care of. He made sure that any of the people with under their, their uh, regime would have been well taken care of, inclusive of the animals. He would have made sure that they were properly clothed as the governor of the palace in those days, um, he would be the chief staff, chief of staff to the king. He would be the one that would report to the king. And Ahab comes to Obadiah and he says to him in verse 5, and I can't help but smile every time I think about this because I don't know, it just hits me right here in the center of my head. Go to the land uh, go through the land to all the springs of water into the valleys. Perhaps we may find grass and save the horses and mules alive and not lose some of the animals. We're at a peak in the famine. We're at a peak in the drought. And what is Ahab worried about? The animals. He's not worried about the people of the land. He's not worried about what he can gather. He, he has no care for the people of the land. He's not a true representation of a king that would be concerned of the betterment of his people. He's concerned for the animals and the mule. Perhaps we could, perhaps we could find some grass and save the horses and not lose our animals. You've lost your mind, King Ahab. You're worried about losing your animals, but you've lost your mind because you're not really being accountable as a king over the people. And here is this man, Obadiah, who is working for him, whose name, as we said, means servant of Jehovah. What does he do? He's actually a servant of King Ahab. Some people that study this passage would want to suggest this is where Obadiah backslid. I think this is where Obadiah was just like a whole bunch of us. He kind of fell into that category, was like, oh my goodness, my boss said that I had to, and so therefore I have to. And so King Ahab, he, it says... Um, Oh, Obadiah is working for King Ahab, and, and let's remind ourselves who King Ahab was. King Ahab in chapter 16 of verse Kings, um, of 1 Kings 16, verse 30, it says that 
King Ahab did evil of all the kings in the land. He did the most evil. He was the most evil of all the kings of the land. And this is who Obadiah is working for. This is who Obadiah is being accountable to. Obadiah right here is in that place of fearing Ahab, fearing his power over him. Is that any of us here in the room tonight? Is that any of us that may be watching online where um, we go to church, we read the word of God, we know the truth of God's word, but we fear those in authority over us, such as our bosses, and we fear them more than we fear God. That at times maybe we loosen our morals, loosen our standards to accommodate what they're requesting of us. It happens, and it happened to Ahab. How could Obadiah, and it happened to Obadiah, excuse me, how could Obadiah be a servant of the Lord and a servant of Ahab at the same time? Didn't Jesus say in Matthew chapter 6, verse 24, that we can't have two masters? We either are going to serve the Lord or we're going to serve man? How do, we, how do we take that position? No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. Obadiah and Ahab go their separate ways, and as Obadiah is on his journey, there before him comes Elijah. And what does Obadiah do when he sees Elijah? He falls on his face. He falls on his face before him. And he says, is it you, my Lord, Elijah? That position that Obadiah takes is that prostate position where he fall, it's a worship position. It's a, it's a position that he's recognizing him in a, in a sense of how when we go before the Lord and pray and, and how the scripture says of when we lay ourselves out before the Lord. Here, Obadiah recognizes him and falls on his face. And in other words, he bowed very low to the ground in a in a picture of adoration, in a picture of worship. And Elijah responds to him like this. He says, it is I, go tell your Lord, behold, Elijah is here. Obadiah just said, is it you, my Lord? And Elijah says, it is I, go tell your Lord. And in other words, I'm not your Lord, Obadiah. I'm not your Lord. Your Lord is Ahab. Now go and tell him that Elijah is here. You recall in week one when I said to him, whenever the name of Elijah was uttered, it would have been a correcting, a, a chiropractic adjustment to the back of, of Jezebel and Ahab because the name of Elijah meant Jehovah is God or Yahweh is your God. And so every time they would have heard his name uttered, it would have been a reminder that Jehovah is God, not Baal is God, not Asherah is God, but Jehovah is God. And so now Elijah is saying to Obadiah, I am not your Lord, 
you go and tell your Lord, but go tell Ahab, he's your Lord. Elijah is here. And what happens when Elijah calls him out on that? Listen, you just bowed down to me and you called me Lord, but I am not your Lord. Jehovah, in other words, let's just put it this way. If Elijah's name represented Jehovah is God, Elijah was calling him out on the fact that in that moment, he was not operating as one who is in walking in obedience to God, in submission to God. Jehovah is not your God, Obadiah. Jehovah is not your God right now, Obadiah. You go tell the man who you are treating as your God. You go tell the man who you are giving that God authority over your life. And Elijah is here. And in other words, go and, sh go and tell your Lord, Jehovah's here. Jehovah has shown up in the land. Jehovah's going to reveal himself in the land. And what does Obadiah say? It's very familiar to us because we saw the woman of Zarephath say it last week. He says in verse 9, How have I sinned that you would give your servant in the hand of King Ahab to kill me? The widow had a similar response. In 1 Kings 17, verse 18, What have you against me, O man of God? You have come to bring my sin to remembrance. Right, because 1 Corinthians 4, verse 5 says this, The Lord brings to light the things now hidden in darkness and will disclose the purposes of the heart. God was letting go Obadiah know. Look, look Obadiah. I realize that you, I'm showing you that your heart is not walking in fellowship with me. You've allowed another power to rule over you. You've, you've allowed another God to come in and control you. And are we not guilty of the same thing in our day-to-day -day lives? We allow other things to come in and be a God in our life. Anything that replaces the Lord in your life is an idol. Is that not what we understand? Anything. And so here was Obadiah. He was allowing Ahab to have that authority over him. So where Jehovah is Lord, Jehovah is God, wherever he is Lord, wherever he is God, he will allow the sin to be exposed. He will expose areas of our life to ourselves that is not that, that is walking in sin, that is an area of sin. If we're giving too much time to our television, if we're giving too much time to our phone and all this social media that might be on there, if we are giving too much time to something that is not that is robbing him of his time or robbing us of our time with him, he's going to expose that area in our lives because he is God. And he's not going to share our lives with something else. He's not going to share the platform of our heart. And Obadiah allowed the platform of his heart to be given over to the, the dictations of Ahab. See, Obadiah had a good heart. He saw the prophets of the land, and what did he do? He hid them from Jezebel, and he managed that while he hid them, that where he found it only but by the provision of God, he fed them bread and water while he hid them, and he sustained them because later on when we read in Kings, um, 
towards the end of the first book of, uh, of Kings, I, th I think it's in chapter 24. I, I don't even recall off the top of my head. But we see that there was now 450 prophets in the land. So obviously the work of Obadiah while he was serving the Lord and in protecting these kings, he did have a right heart. But there's that part where we vacillate. Who do you fear, God or do you fear man? Do you fear God or do you fear man? In the fear of Ahab, he looked to pursue Elijah. He looked to pursue, excuse me, um, the, the, the grass to feed the animals, but the, the care of the people was not at the king's uh, heart. And in, the, in pursuing the, this food for the animals, he finds Elijah. Obadiah is more concerned with his well-being the well-being of his life than he is with the people of the land. Here is Obadiah. What are you going to do? You want me to go and tell Ahab? Do you realize what that will cost me? That will, that, will, what, that will cost me if I go and tell him that I have found you. And should, the go, should God take you up and bring you to a place that I don't know about? Of course Obadiah is going to say that because that's what happened in chapter 17. That after Elijah gives this report that there's going to be no dew, no rain, except at the account of his word. And what happens? God tells Elijah, go quick, go hide. And so nobody knows where Elijah is. So why wouldn't Obadiah be worried of that very same thing? And then Elijah says, what? He says, go and tell him. Go and tell him, I will remain here. Why? Because Jehovah is God. Obadiah, go tell Ahab, Jehovah is God. Go tell Ahab, Elijah is here. And in other words, Obadiah, go tell Ahab, Jehovah is God. What is, what is being um, pointed out to us here? Well, recall to your mind. I said to you, every time that Elijah's name is mentioned, it is letting us remember that Elijah's name means Jehovah is God. And, Jeho and God just told Elijah, go show yourself to Ahab. What does God want to show Ahab as Elijah goes and presents himself to him? There's been a famine in the land, and Elijah stands before him. One, he is alive. Ahab, you didn't succeed over his life. I kept him hidden. I kept him protected. Two, Ahab, look at his stature. He's neither, he's neither hungry. He's been well fed and well nourished by me. It makes me think of Daniel and his friends when they went to the king's palace and they were to eat of the king's meat. And Daniel says, no, I will resolve that I won't partake of that. And when they resolve not to partake of the king's meat, what happened to them in the end? They looked far better than all the others in the land. When we are in the hiding place of God, when we are under the shelter of the Most High, what happens to us is that when we present ourselves to the enemy, when we present ourselves to the enemy, we will outshine any of his antics and tactics. God said, go show yourself, Elijah. I'm going to display to you, I'm going to display to Elijah, I am alive. I am the only God. This is what it looks like, Ahab, when a life lives surrendered to me. 
This is what it looks like, Ahab, when despite the conditions of a land, when somebody walks in obedience to me, I will take care of them. I will provide for them. I will be their God. Do you have to be reminded of that in your life tonight? Elisha should have looked like some of the people of the land. Perhaps he should have looked forlorn. Perhaps he should have looked a little, a little skinnier. Obadiah goes to tell Ahab, but he would not go to tell Ahab until Elijah promised him that he would remain there. When I, when I read that, he says, no, you go and tell him. And as the Lord of hosts lives before whom I stand, verse 15, I will surely show myself to him today. As I read verse 15, and I recalled to my mind that Elijah is that Old Testament picture of the Christ, I remember that God says to us in Deuteronomy, I will not leave you, nor will I forsake you. Jesus promised his disciples that he would be with them always, even till the ends of the earth. So you know what, Ahab, I'm not going, or Obadiah, I'm not going anywhere. I'm going to show myself to Ahab. I'm going to be right here because my promise is that I will never leave my people. I will never forsake my people. I am remaining here. So some of us need to understand that tonight. Some of us need to understand that, you know what, maybe we're an Obadiah in our workplace. Maybe we're an Obadiah in the environment that we're in, and we need to take a stand for the truth and the morals that God would have us to take a stand for. We don't have to live in fear of our job because God will, will take care of that. We don't have to live in fear of our boss because God will take care of that. We don't have to be fearful of the famine that is before us because God will provide for us in every way and in every how. Just as he did for Elijah. There was a famine in the land. There was a drought in the land. But for three years, God provided for Elijah. When there should not have been a provision, there was a provision made for him. You do not have to fear the circumstances of what is before you. You don't have to live in fear of your boss. You don't have to live in fear of, but what if I lose my job? You can take a stand for God and know that as he provided for Elijah in the midst of the enemy pursuing him, in the midst of the enemy wanting to kill him, the Lord protected him. Obadiah was in fear of his life. If he went to, Elijah, if he went to Ahab and told him Elijah was there, and, Eli, and when he came back, Elijah be gone, then Obadiah's life would have been gone too. But Jehovah is God. And he's about to display to Ahab and all the people of the land the power of a surrendered life. Do you live tonight in the fear of God? Or do you live tonight in the fear of man? Is your life fully surrendered to God? Do you have to come out of the Ahab house? Do you have to come out from under the Ahab authority? that's controlling you. Listen to what um, Revelation says in uh, Revelations chapter 2, 19 to 21. I know your works, your love and faith and service and patience and endurance, 
that your latter works exceed the first. But I have this against you, that you tolerate that woman Jezebel who calls herself a prophetess and is teaching and seducing my servants to practice sexual immorality and to eat food sacrificed to idols. I gave her time to repent, but she refuses to repent of her sexual immorality. Who was Ahab's wife? Jezebel. The two of them walk hand in hand. One walks in control. Right? Do you dare stand in the spirit of Elijah, the one that will walk in obedience to God, the one that will, will live fully surrendered, or do you follow the Ahab spirit or the Jezebel spirit of the world that is around you? Whom do you serve? When Ahab saw Elijah, Ahab said to him in verse 17 of chapter 18, is it you, you troubler of Israel? Is it you, you troubler of Israel? You see, if the Lord has you hiding in the secret place of the Most High, as he did to, to Elijah, he hid him in Cherish. You'll sit at his, his table and he will take care of you and he will feed you. You won't be sitting at the table of Jezebel who will measure what is, who will look out for the care of her animals as Ahab was, rather than the care of the people. Romans 13, 12 says, let us cast off the works of darkness and put on the armor of light. May we be as Elijah, walking fully surrendered to God, casting off the works of darkness and putting on the armor of light. May we also present our bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, according to Romans 12, 1 and 2. May we re transform our minds and renew our minds before God. You see, in this day and in this hour when evil is rising, when, when there is a drought in another word, uh, uh, in another measure, when there is a famine in another measure, a famine for holiness, a, a drought for the truth of God's standards, will we live transformed and renewed by him? Or will we be raised with Christ, seeking after those things that are above, according to Colossians verses 1 and 2? Will we set our minds on things that are above and not on the things that are of this earth? Where do you stand tonight? Do you stand in the fear of God or in the fear of man? We can all relate at some aspect or another. But we need to come out from Ahab's house. We have to come out from the control of Ahab's house. What happened to Ahab in the end? His life was licked up by the dogs. His blood was licked up by the dogs. But Elijah, Elijah, he was caught up by God, right? May we be caught up by God. May we live transformed by God. May we live in the fear of the Lord. May we take a stand for moral truth and the standards of God in the land today. May we live according to God, that when he says move, we move. When he says go show yourself, we show ourselves. And we show not me, Melody, but the power of my God demonstrated through me when we take a stand for moral truth and moral standard elijah 
was in the incubator of faith. Are you in the incubator of faith? That when God says to you, go, you'll go. When God says, go show yourself, you'll take that step to go show yourself. Where do you stand tonight, in the fear of man or in the fear of God? Father God, I thank you for the illustration of Elijah. I thank you that, Lord, when he stood in front of Ahab, as we will see next week, Lord, when he stood in front of Ahab, there was the demonstration that you are God. Jehovah is God. Lord, you preserved his life in the, in the most times when, when, when there was a famine and a drought. Lord, you hid him from the enemy who wanted to kill him. And Lord, as we look at his life, we know that we could stand in the shelter of the Most High and that we could be protect, protected from the snare of the enemy that Lord wants us to loosen our morals, wants us to loosen our standards. Lord wants us to cave in and, and adhere to, to the ways of man. But Lord, we look to you tonight and we pray that you would have your way within our lives. May we walk in the fear and the knowledge of the Lord. And may that be the ruler and the standard of our life. In the mighty name of Jesus. That at the end of it all, when people look at our lives, that they will be able to see, yes, Jehovah is her God. Jehovah is his God. We commit this word to you, Lord. Speak to our hearts. Reveal to us any areas that we were or are like Obadiah. Reveal to us any areas in which we've been like a, we've come under the control of Ahab. And Lord, we've pursued other things for the wrong answers, for the wrong solutions, rather than the pursuit of you and the care for your people. In the mighty name of Jesus, Lord, we look to you.